Welcome to the Religion and Story podcast. On this week's episode, we are going to talk about confession in the church. As we were thinking about this podcast, we were thinking, is there a lack of confession? But what does confession even look like in the church today? Uh, has it changed over the years? And what are our expectations for the ways that our brothers and sisters within the church will confess to us and hear confession? Or is it just confession to God? So. Uh, there's a lot for us to talk about in this podcast. Uh, Daniel, why don't you start us off? What does confession mean to you? So uh, a lot of times when we talk about confession, we often talk about confessing belief. In fact, in Church of Christ, we're probably familiar with the five-finger exercise, the, um, and one of the steps in salvation being confession. And that always confused me as a child when I learned that because that confession isn't the other confession I'm more familiar with, which is the, um, the part after the sermon where the, the preacher says, if you have anything that you want to share or something like that, you can come, up, come forward while we stand and sing. And so that first needs to be separated. There's that sort of confession, confessing of belief, of a belief in Christ or God. Um, the confession that we're more concerned with is confessing of one's sins, uh, confessing of one's um, one's problems, of the the difficulties that uh, someone is going through, and that confession can be to um, any number of people. It could be to God. It can be to um, a small group of people. It can be to an entire congregation. Um, so those are some of my. Uh, early thoughts of this is where our discussion of confession is going and what we're going to be talking about. Stephen, what uh, what thoughts on confession you have uh, just right off the bat? Well, uh, for me, confession is just an act of uh, admission to uh, your need for God and uh, your admission of sin uh, goes hand in hand with the repentance that it's a changing of your heart. And if you uh, want to lie to yourself about whatever your sin might be, it, I mean, that should be a telltale sign that you are not actually repenting. Uh, but as far as uh, confession goes, I think that uh, the Bible speaks to a lot of different ways that we are called to confess, confessing our sins to our Heavenly Father, confessing to each other in the church. And so, uh, looking at the examples that, or not the examples, but the commandments, if you want to be technical, that we are told to confess um, because if uh, you're trying to live your life secretively or in isolation versus a part of the church or a part of the community, then I think that you're uh, missing the point of what the church is supposed to be doing for each other. Uh, and then if you want to try and neglect confessing to God, then you are not giving the relationship that you have with your heavenly, heavenly father, it's uh, deserved time. So well, what other ways do you think, uh, confession can be something that we can strive to grow with spiritually? I, Stephen, I think that that's a good that's a good question because it is a part of our spiritual growth. The times in my life when I have been 
closest to God, when I have been, um, I think, most in line with what God wants, are times in my life when I have been openly confessing, uh, that I have been uh, openly repenting of sins. Um, And there are definitely times in my life when I've been better at that than compared to times when I've not been. Um, So why is it that spiritual growth uh, flourishes during those times. Um, Stephen, I, I think you said it well. It's it's the time of our life when we're not lying to ourselves, uh, when we are being open and honest. Um, even though we know our own sins, it's, it's kind of hard to lie to yourself. You'd have to have a very uh, jaded, hard heart to effectively lie to yourself. Um, but still, when you don't say it out loud, when you don't open up about it, um, it has a way of eating at you inside. And so in order to be an effective brother or sister in Christ, I think um, being honest about yourself is the first way to to start to build those relationships. Um, but doing that's hard. You know, how, how can I be the first mover? Uh, what if I, what if I repent? What if I confess and no one else does? Uh, what if, what if I say, Hey, we should do this. And other people say, no, I don't really want to. Um, we say, you know, I've heard it said many times that, well, that it comes with deep relationships. What if I've had a deep, what I thought was a deep relationship with these people for a long time and it just never started happening. Uh, it's not something that just magically occurs uh, because uh, you've reached a milestone in your Christian relationship with someone. It's uh, it is a free will choice to confess. So, uh, what else are we missing here? I just want to make one comment. You're saying, what if uh, you confess but other people don't join in, and that poses that uh, that problem of being alone and isolated. I I just want to say some churches have the strategy of planting people to confess in the, uh, or to come forward in the congregation. So after the sermon, uh, you'll have some people come forward. It's a little dishonest, but it uh, has proven results. So any church that has a dubious conscience, maybe uh, something worth considering. So in defense, um, so actually the first thing I thought of was that uh, when you see, I believe it's called busking, when you see someone like playing the guitar in the subway and they have their case open, uh, the smart thing to do is put is to put a few dollars in there. If you have a tip jar at a restaurant, put, put some dollars in there because people see, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to put more money in there. So you kind of prime the jar yeah. uh, to get ready for other people to put stuff in there. Um, I don't, so it's possible to tell someone, okay, it's your turn this week, and I want you to make up a fake confession. It would be really easy, though, to say to Johnny Deacon number one over here, hey, Johnny, go confess something. And Johnny probably has something very real that he can confess. Someone always has a a real confession to make, or most. Exactly. All right. So maybe that, I mean, I'm not opposed to a congregation doing that. So, so that leads me, Stephen, I want to hear some of your thoughts, because um, we were talking a little bit before the podcast on congregational confession. Uh, Michael made some good points about uh, what confession should bring to 
uh, one's spiritual development and sort of the dynamics uh, with other Christians. Um, how do you think that plays out in a congregational setting? I think that our listeners are already uh, aware of where we're going, that there are problems that exist within the congregation. And I think that if you look at things that go on within a youth group, that's kind of the, uh, on a micro level, what you're seeing even with adults in the church. And so let me get into some details. If you see your friends going and getting baptized, you may want to be baptized too, because for the same reasons that we just discussed, if somebody else is doing it, you want to jump on that bandwagon. You want to experience that feeling. You don't want to be left out. You see all the other people going forward to confess because God is working in their lives. I want to be part of this too. Um, And so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that go on within a youth group uh, that really come down to peer pressure and wanting to. be a part of what's going on. And for some kids, God is just not something that they want to, uh, they don't want to let the walls down in their life. They don't want to become vulnerable. If somebody sees me uh, look like I've been moved spiritually, that's something that they haven't seen with me before. And that is a lot of the reasons why many, many people do not confess because they don't want people to know about whatever the struggles they have are in their life. Uh, And so that is really uh, where we're going to be going with uh, the problems with confession. So I feel like um, the the point that you were making, Stephen, maybe assuming that confession is optimal, it's what we want to be happening. Um, and, and you pointed out, uh, you, you and Michael both earlier, that there's a, this is a, a biblical idea. Um, I, I just want to bring out two maybe critiques of congregational confession. I think most, um, most Christians would probably accept confession in some form or another, but two, two pretty common mistakes. One from the, some of the reading that we did before recording this is, uh, reformed churches, uh, or generally more conservative churches, uh, might say that congregational confession doesn't have a, uh, a biblical foundation to it. The idea of getting up in front of the assembly to um, confess your sins in front of everyone. Um, and then another critique, and this is a little bit more universal um, to, to beyond the reformed churches, is that Congregational confession may have an element of shame to it that isn't is not only not necessary is should be actively avoided by Christians. Um, there's a difference between guilt, which Christians normally accept, and shame, which we we say is that's not what we're going for. So, what what do y'all both of y'all what do y'all think about um, those critiques? So, I mean, if you've been uh, a member of a church of relatively decent size where there's young people around odds are there's probably been uh, a young uh, person that uh, was sexually active out of wedlock possibly a uh, became pregnant as a result and how often do you see somebody come forward and admit that it's rare i've seen it happen but um, those are th- types of things are usually kept behind closed doors. And uh, I think that is probably, uh, that is 
I'm fine with that. If you want to handle those types of things because it's uh, secretive, it can be sensitive to people's feelings, and it's um, some people will go as far as saying it's none of uh, uh, the church's business about what's going on with there. I mean, you are not you're not letting the church uh, provide the love, love and comfort they can be there for. Which for those that I've seen that have come forward, uh, yeah, sometimes the church does not handle that correctly where uh, assumptions are made, gossip is spread, and that is because the church is made up of people that are not perfect. And I've also seen it on, uh, on the other side where churches learn from things like that, where they, uh, they know that the damage that an unwelcoming and unloving church can have on uh, an individual that shows vulnerability, and they've corrected that. So, uh, but to answer your question, uh, what are the problems with a public confession going forward? Uh, Michael, I'll kind of let you get into uh, the history of how that came about. But I think um, the shame, like Daniel was pointing out, is the number one problem with why that is. And um, we'll get into, I think, what we can offer as some solutions that we think uh, congregations could look to do to avoid all the uh, the negative connotations that go go along with going forward to confess, yeah. Um, there, yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, so, just to quickly refer back to some of the history that we we've talked about, um, the the idea of coming forward after a message, or as we've often heard it referred to as uh, the altar call, only goes back a, uh, just a little under 200 years. Uh, 1830s pre-Civil War, and um, oftentimes, it, you know, there, there was a, an evangelical call to, to give your life over to Christ. Um, it was often associated with the abolitionist movement, that they wanted people to, to have a convicted heart and to change their actions and to publicly pronounce that at that very moment. Um, and I, I think all of us would agree, and now obviously, you know, this hindsight of, of history, uh, we would see ourselves saying, yes, if I felt that way, I'd want to publicly pronounce my change. Um, but you can, Im I'm trying to think what the modern equivalence is uh, of wanting to, to change the way um, that you see yourself on a specific issue. Often today, when when there is an altar call, when there is a, a call for confession at the end of a sermon, uh, they're asking you to repent of your sins, to uh, put Christ on in baptism. Um, so, yeah, so, so that's what they're asking you to do. Stephen? So one big difference between what the altar call originated as at that time and for the longest time was the people that were coming forward were coming forward to be baptized and they were unbelievers. They were giving up a life of sin and that's easy to admit that. Um, now when people are coming forward to be baptized, they're basically coming forward. Uh, no, sorry, let me specify. People that grew up in the church usually are coming forward and saying, yeah, my life is at a good point right now. And there's nothing I necessarily need to confess as far as my sin goes, but I confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's go get baptized. There's no shame involved in that at all. It's easy to go forward to get baptized in that type of a circumstance. However, when you are going forward solely to confess a sin and that you've messed up, 
I mean, there's there's not much good that comes uh, out of that feeling of uh, grief and uh, just shame. It, I mean, you should feel ashamed if you do something bad, but you should also know that you're still loved. God loves you, and there is something for you to and make. Correct me if I'm wrong. Should you feel ashamed if you do something bad? Yes. But should you be made to feel shameful by the church? No, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk about this. Um, so this is my current belief. Please feel free to talk me out of it. I think that if you sin privately, uh, you should privately confess your sins to God. But it's also not a bad idea to have a person, maybe multiple people, but someone that you talk to. It doesn't necessarily have to be congregational, though. If we had everyone go forward for all of their individual sins, we'd be, be there for a long time. Maybe that's not a bad thing. But I would agree. Know, yeah, why is that? Yeah, yeah, we, that shouldn't be a bad thing. It wouldn't be a bad thing, but that's, I, I hate to use this word, but it's not efficient, right? It's not the efficient use of our time. I know. Y'all can hate, hate on me for that later. However, I'll hate on you. Right now, because yeah, if we're 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 uh, narrowing our church service to specified times during the week, that's not what the church community is supposed to be about. We shouldn't only make ourselves available for two hours out of a, a full week. So no. yeah, the efficiency just take that out of the conversation is what I would. Well, say. I agree with you there that if if I'm opening it up to any time I can talk with my brothers and sisters in the church. Yes, I'm completely on board there. I think that it's efficient. It's more efficient when there's a smaller group of us to, you know, and we're also more likely to actually confess if we do it there. And that's a separate issue. Okay. So uh, what I think though, is that if you have a public sin and how, how do you, dis, how do you define public sin personally? And this is a very limited Michael view on this. Uh, I think that a public sin is really any sin uh, that has become publicly known. Now, sometimes it can be because of gossip that has be become publicly known. Uh, sometimes it, it's something, and, and Scripture specifically talks about this. The only time that Jesus talks about confronting your brother and sister is, he says, you know, you go to them first, then you take two or three witnesses, and then you bring it before the church, right? So there is this idea that, Someone has wronged somebody, and then it gets brought to the church. So to me, that's a biblical idea. Now, I, I can think of other ways where you don't even wait for someone to publicly accuse you of something. You just say, I, you know, I have besmirched the reputation of the church. I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone that's been sober for a long time, but somewhat, you know, I was caught drinking. Um Sorry, I'm, I'm not coming up with really great ideas. Um, or how about this? I haven't come to church in three three years. I forsook the assembly, and I apologize for that. I, I personally think that that is a public sin to no longer honor the body of Christ and deserves a public apology, uh, a public confession of sins. Do you all agree? Disagree? Well, I'm sorry, say again? As opposed to what? Give us one that wouldn't require a public confession. Um, so an individual, and you can the two of you can hash it out. If if I'm around the dinner table with my family and I say a curse word, 
I think I should apologize and confess the sin to everyone around the, the dinner table. I don't need to go forward on Sunday morning um, to confess that sin because those who have been affected have been uh, have been a part of that confession process. I'll agree with Michael, and I'll, I'll extend the thought a little bit. I think, yeah, public public sins, things that people already know of, yeah, whether it's gossip or something else, it's apparent because uh, you your, your stomach is growing. Um, then that is something, yeah, you might uh, confess that to the church. You probably should confess that um, in a public setting. That that makes sense, but also something that may be private and would have stayed private, uh, but that you feel like you need the support of the entire congregation. Sure. Um, so maybe it is, uh, Michael, you gave the, the example of drinking before. Um, if someone has a problem with that and they, they've been able to keep it under wraps, but they know, hey, I need help. And they could go to a small group and that might work fine, uh, sort of an AA level thing, but maybe they feel like, no, I want the entire church's support in dealing with this. And I think that is totally acceptable. Now to Stephen's question or to Stephen's point, um, when would it not be uh, ideal? I think Michael, the, what you said about efficiency, that is the ground level. That, that's, a, that's a good thing to bring up though. It maybe doesn't hold ethical weight. Um, but I think there a better uh, reason on top of that, or in addition to that, is the idea that some things are, Stephen, you even used the word, some things are sensitive. Um, so two, two ideas. One is a sin that involves another person and they don't want it to be public. Um, so y'all, obviously you still want to seek repentance and to maybe confess to, to some people to get that sort of help. But they, they're asking that this not become public. And so you, out of respect for them, are keeping that way. Also, a couple weeks ago, we talked about um, sexual sin and masturbation and pornography. That is something, while um, you could make the case that it's good to just get it out there and it may be more effective to deal with it, it's also something because it's of a sexual nature that um, that maybe that should be kept uh, private, and you confess that to ministers or a select group to keep you accountable. Um, if for no other reason but the fact that some mothers don't want their children who are still in the assembly hearing about your masturbation problems, mm. um, and hopefully there are no children in the car um, for people listening to this podcast. For similar reasons. What are y'all, what are y'all's thoughts on that? real? Can I go real quick on that? Yeah. So, um, I have tried as a Bible class teacher to lead by example, to talk specifically about my own sins. Um, I think I even, uh, well, uh, I'm asking everyone to go back. Wow. 12, 13 years in our YouTube church history to cardboard confessionals. Uh, I remember when that was a popular thing, and it was a good thing, where you came out and you confessed on a piece of cardboard, here are my sins. And I've done that before. Um, so, you know, and even when you would prefer that those things be private, um, I think it's just a good practice, uh, maybe in a Bible class, maybe in a men's group, whatever, to, to do that. Um, one other log to throw on the fire here. I've heard people say before, and tell me what y'all think about this, 
um, where a young woman in the congregation has gotten pregnant. And I'll specifically say it was a woman that said this. Um, did she not go forward? Like, did, did she never, like, are we just going to pretend like this didn't happen? Because to some people, not confessing is pretending that nothing happened. Especially, Daniel, you, you mentioned when it shows. Everyone knows uh, that, that some sin was done. Personally, I think that um, both people should go forward. But we, we have this idea that we want to protect people's reputations, as if reputations are the most important thing. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I guess the silence means it's my turn to talk. No, I, uh, <laughs> uh, so Daniel's comments about um, confessing about sexual sins, I think that uh, it has become taboo to talk about those sorts of things, which uh, has put the church in the place that it currently is, where it's such a secret sin that nobody wants to uh, work on it. Uh, so, yeah. uh, so I think, yeah, with the caveat of uh, not uh, not talking about that in front of young, young children, I'm thinking more like seven years old and younger. Um, but I think that even some grade school kids that are going into, you know, pubescent years that they probably need to know that that sort of thing uh, is a problem. Uh, because uh, I know that there are men that get into uh, that type of sexual addiction early uh, in their uh, middle school, even before that. Uh, anyway, so uh, Michael, you were saying uh, a few things, and I, I had some comments lined up, but uh, um, anyway, so let's talk about the examples and strategies that churches are currently using to get members of the church to confess. What do you guys think are the current problems? We've already talked about some of them um, where the, um, the association with the shame, um, the going forward um, is calling people to make an act that they may not be comfortable doing because it makes them vulnerable. But, Specifically, the one that we haven't really hit on is um, the not leading by example where, uh, I mean, personally at my church, I don't think I've ever seen an elder or minister confess anything other than, Michael, you were talking about, oh, when I'm teaching the class, I like to admit my sins, where they're like, yeah, I got really angry in traffic. Okay, everybody has done that. All right, so like, give me something real that I can relate to you on with like if I'm thinking my sins are so horrible, I would never want to admit them in front of the church. But, and if the preacher, that's all he struggles with, I can't relate to you. Come on. Um, so what do you guys think uh, are the problems and how would you go about solving them? I think that example, that's really good, Stephen. I wasn't even thinking about that is, yeah, if the, the leaders of your church, certainly if no one's doing it, then you don't want to share and if the leaders of your church aren't saying anything, then again, you you don't want to share. Or if the only things being confessed are, are minor sins, you, you won't want to confess anything bigger than that, anything greater than that. Um, another thing, I don't, without repeating the Seinfeld joke, but simply ref, uh, pointing to the, the joke about uh, more people are afraid of public speaking than they are of, uh, of actually dying. Um, then that that's 
something that needs to be taken into consideration. So again, um, giving avenues for people, opportunities for people to confess, but maybe in smaller, more intimate groups where they simply just aren't more um, embarrassed of having to, to be in front of other people, um, making it that much more convenient. What else? So um, I, the question is, uh, what do churches do to encourage confession? Um, I, th I think the first, well, yeah, I guess this goes back to my time at Southside. So I was probably in high school, I think, when they started doing this, where they would put elders, not just at the front, but at the, you know, I look like I'm a flight uh, flight, per flight stewardess, flight steward, uh, you know, per per people back there people up there, people on the sides, secure yourself first. Um, so, you know, you, you put uh, elders in different places. So if uh, you basically, what that does is it makes the walk really short, cuts down the distance. And so there's this less of a walk of shame, if we can call it that, we probably shouldn't. Um, and it also allows you to walk to a more non-discreet place where not everyone will see you. It doesn't have to be that it doesn't have to be as public. It's just a, a you know a minor public. Just a few people uh, right. will know about it there. So that is almost a, a few steps removed from just a Catholic confessional booth. My uh, the elders at my church will say we're going to go to our chapel area, which is outside of our main assembly, and you can go and pray with the, uh, one of the elders there, so you're not having to go forward. Um, and so. Yeah, it's different. So, but yeah, it sounds like uh, it, it's more of a secret confessional rather than public. So, you're, they're okay. Taking, go ahead. Sorry, Stephen. So, I, I, I think, I think I've, I've said that I don't think that public confession of sins is always a needed part of the confession process. You sound to me like you don't think that. Like you do think that public confession is much more important. Why? Um, no, I, I, it's not that it needs to be uh, public. I, I think it should be, though, uh, just because you shouldn't feel that um, you are the only one with the problems. And uh, that's why I made the example of seeing the leaders in the church uh, confess their sins and I find it really hard to believe that none of the leaders in the church uh, struggle with the uh, sins on the level that a lot of the members do um, and we can take our uh, own dad for as an example that he uh, was an elder and uh, did not succeed in his marriage and uh, went forward to confess. And uh, so I think that is clear that, you know, there are things with leaders in the church that are serious issues. Um, and, and just the fact that you will see many churches that just, it's not transparent. Um, and so when the members of the congregation are thinking that they're the only ones with the problems and that the, they have no one to relate to, it's hard to feel like it's genuine and there's not shame involved because it's hierarchical. 
So I hate to be glib about this, but usually when an elder deacon or minister has a public sin, it, it gets elevated to letter status. Someone has to read a letter about what that person has done, which I think within church culture is like a higher level of sin. Well, that speaks um, to the problem, though, that if uh, if a, a, an elder cannot um, make a sin where they, uh, you know, let's say uh, an elder was teaching a class and they were unkind in the way that they uh, interacted with somebody in the class, um, where, I mean, they're not going to have to... Uh, uh, maybe they just deal with that individually with the person. I'm sorry. That was not the way I should have handled that situation where, I mean, what if they said, nope, you're now no longer above reproach. You're out of here. If that's the way we're treating our elders where they're afraid that they're walking on eggshells. If they do something wrong, that they're out. That's another problem. Yeah. Guys, we've got about four and a half minutes to go. So why don't we, start to move towards final thoughts. What do churches need to be thinking about in this area? Daniel, you have a thought and then we can go into that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my, my final thought is we spent a lot of time talking about congregational confession. And I, I think there's certainly a lot of ideas that we've given here for how uh, that process could be better within our movement. Um, but I want to encourage any listeners to at least consider confession as just as a spiritual discipline um, with or without the congregational setting. Uh, confession at a bare minimum needs to become a greater part of our, our spiritual lives because it's only through confession that we begin that healing process of eliminating sin from our lives. And if we are only accepting sin and not moving to eliminate it, then um, we can hardly be said to be moving closer to Jesus. Stephen, what are your closing thoughts? Uh, so in order, my main takeaway is that you need to make confession of sin something that is open for everyone, that everybody is aware of the struggles that they have on a genuine level. Because if you uh, come and tell me that all you struggle with is getting angry when you're driving in traffic, then I'm not going to believe that you're being sincere with me. And so um, find people that want to be open and honest about confessing their sins to each other. And if you're not one of those people, then find a way to get to that level or, or else you're not going to be growing spiritually is what we've said. Uh, if you can't find them, then simply talk to your elders, say, these are the things I'm, I'm struggling with. Pray for me about these and at least you're having someone to confess to is and it doesn't have to be a public confession at that point but look for people that you can share uh, your struggles with okay so about two minutes left um i i struggle m most of all with pride um i struggle with lust i struggle with greed um, I don't want anyone to die. I, uh, I, I'm not the most angry person. Um, but I, I think less of people that I really disagree with. Um, I, I have a hard time confessing. Uh, and I, I think I kind of disagree with Stephen in that, um, I don't expect other people to have similar sins as I do. 
Um, but at the same time, I've, the, the three that I named are huge. And I kind of expect in this larger pantheon of sins, like everyone's got a little bit of a pride issue, a little bit of a lust issue, a little bit of a greed issue, but mine looks different. And it's so weird to talk about those things. It's something I need to work on. Um, ideas for the church, do it. I mean, just it's the Nike, just do it, right? Uh, that if you, uh, even if you are the only one to confess and everyone looks at you weird, you're, you will be better off. You will be closer to God. God will be, um, God will feel pride for you, a righteous pride. Um, he will say, yes, that's what I want. So do it. You'll, you'll be better for it. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We've got three more in our fifth season. So we appreciate you listening to us and uh, going along uh, on this journey with us. Talk to you next week.